In 2015, Netflix stepped into the arena of true crime in a very huge way. They dropped the iconic series, Making a Murderer, which posits that Stephen Avery, a man once wrongfully convicted of a sexual assault, released after DNA evidence proved that he was not the perpetrator of that assault, was in fact framed again for a murder two years after he was released by the same corrupt police department, possibly because they didn't want to pay out a lawsuit to him because he had, according to himself, $36 million due due to the 18 years that he spent in lockup. This series took the nation by storm. Every outlet was covering it. Everyone was talking about it. Back in 2015, this is actually one of the first series that I watched with my now fiance, and it was a big deal back then. But the thing is, the devil is always in the details. And as we've talked about on this channel with a great number of other cases, the problem with these kind of documentaries is that they exist in the court of public opinion and as my friend Devin Tracy likes to say the problem with the court of public opinion is that it's not a court there are no rules and there's no obligation at all to tell the truth or to present the other side of the case which is why I was so happy to find out that Daily Wire Plus dropped their own series called Convicting a Murderer which is also a 10-part Netflix style docu-series featuring the Daily Wire's own Candace Owens at the helm of this as a response to that Netflix series. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into that, I want to say thank you to everybody signed up. ActualJusticeWord.com slash join. Give me the money. Give you, give me the money. Okay? And thank you to the podcast listeners, Spotify, Apple, and Google's podcasting platform. This is a collect call from an inmate at the Calumet County Jail. The man served 18 years in prison until DNA evidence cleared his name. The Two Rivers man was convicted of sexual assault in 1985, but exonerated with DNA evidence in 2003. So this is the infamous Avery Lott. Now, two years later, he again finds himself tied to a police investigation. Accused of murdering Teresa Holbuck on the Avery property. Stephen Avery's 16-year-old nephew admitted his involvement in the rape and murder of Teresa Holbuck. The car is discovered just around the bed. Full disclosure, I received screeners for the first five episodes of this series so that I can make the review, courtesy of the folks at The Daily Wire. I really appreciate them for doing so. If you want to watch the series, two of the three episodes that are currently released are available for free. You can find episode one on their YouTube channel. You can find episode two on their website. Again, totally free to view. And there's a third episode for Daily Wire Plus subscribers. I'm going to talk about these first couple episodes because I don't want to spoil anything from episodes 4 and 5, although I will say my favorite episodes so far are episodes 4 and 5. So essentially the way that this series works is that it's a deconstruction of the Netflix series. The first thing that Netflix does with their very first episode is paint Stephen Avery as this innocent angel that's just such a sweet guy. They play some of his prison phone calls where he's just, oh my god, one of the most amazing people ever. I mean, he served 18 years for a wrongful conviction, and guess what? He was just so nice about it, and he didn't have any anger in his heart. A guy who definitely wouldn't go on to commit a horrible and heinous murder. But the thing is, this is a narrative. This is something being presented by the filmmakers, and it's not reflective of reality. It was just this worldwide phenomenon. I think they framed this guy. I think he intended to crush the vehicle, but ran out of time. Avery thinks the $36 million lawsuit he filed is why he's being targeted in this investigation. Do 
Netflix made millions of dollars from making a murderer, but the filmmakers left out very important details, mountains of evidence that you have not yet seen. Now, I'm already well aware of the Stephen Avery case. I have a very strong opinion on his guilt, but I wanted to see what they were going to lay out throughout this series in response to the Netflix one. So one of the first things that they do, again, as to mirror the Netflix series, is take on the image that they painted of Stephen Avery, of this guy with the Santa Claus-like prison beard, who's the sweetest guy ever, and they even destroy a key portion of the narrative, because something that I've said, it's been in the trailer that I played a clip of, and you've heard a million times related to Stephen Avery, is that he served 18 years based on a wrongful conviction. Turns out, Stephen Avery did not serve 18 years based on a wrongful conviction. He served 12. The other six years were due to the fact that he ran his cousin off the road, pointed a rifle at her, and essentially abducted her. By the way, her infant child was in the car. This is revealed very early on in the series. And again, it really makes you think that if Netflix can paint that in such a way to make Stephen Avery seem like the victim of that crime, when he was obviously the perpetrator... What else are they lying to you about? And the answer to that question is definitely a lot. Because one of the things that this does so masterfully is they'll take clips or excerpts or phone calls or whatever from the original Netflix documentary. Then they'll widen them out 15 seconds in one direction, 15 seconds in the other direction. And you'll realize that the Netflix people just hacked this thing up in order to present you something that is completely not reflective of reality. And it gets significantly worse than that because they also have footage of the trial and other footage that's absolutely crucial. And it turns out what Netflix likes to do is cut out the middle bits of sentences on phone calls or when it comes to videotapes to let you come under the impression that this police department was out to frame Stephen Avery. They way overplay their hand and convicting a murderer really does a good job showing this to be objectively false. The blood vial. The most egregious manipulation from the movie. Interrogations. That's when he started beating me because I told him that he's sick. Cell phones. And I saw melted plastic parts of a cell phone. Interviews. Her arms were pinned behind her head. They made Stephen Avery look like a victim. You believe your brother's guilty? Now, another thing that this docuseries really tries to emphasize is the impact on internet communities that the Netflix docuseries has. Essentially, it ended up splitting people up into two different camps. One of them calls themselves the guilters, and the other one calls themselves the truthers, and these are the people who believe that Stephen Avery is an innocent angel, and essentially everything that was put forward in the docuseries is 100% dead-on accurate, and honestly, they probably left out more exculpatory evidence for Stephen Avery. And the thing is, me personally, I was not all that interested in all of these people and how they were impacted by the Netflix documentary. I'm more to the point. Let's talk about how he's guilty. I want to see it in episode one because I have no patience because essentially I'm like a caveman consuming the television when I'm watching a series like this. However, my fiance, who loves true crime, wants to know each and every detail as much background as humanly possible. And when I watched it with her, she actually really enjoyed these same parts that I was trying to get past. So I'm really excited today just to have this opportunity to talk to this group of truthers. I'm curious to know how much they've dug into the case 
and why they believe Stephen and Brendan are innocent. Now, ultimately, I ended up being proven wrong because one of the most amazing things that they do actually happens in episode four, so I'm not going to spoil it in any great detail, is put one of these truthers opposite somebody who knows what they're talking about with the case, who was actually involved in the case, And for me, this is when I really got into it. It's one of the best Netflix-style cliffhangers at the end of an episode that I've seen throughout the entire run. And honestly, that kind of made it worth the price of admission. And that's the thing. When you do a 10-part series like this, you're trying to set up, lay the groundwork, establish where you want to go, and then start progressing through it. I don't know if I'm a suspect. So if you feel like it might start off a little bit slow or there might be a little bit too much setup, what you have to understand is that there are thousands upon thousands of pieces of evidence that they have to set up for. And this is aimed probably at more of the true crime-consuming audience, which tends to be female, which tends to enjoy each and every one of these details more. So the more I watch, the more I appreciate the setup, but initially when I was going through it, not really my thing, although my fiancé, again, did happen to enjoy it. On top of that, there is something that I think is absolutely crucial for us to talk about when it comes to any of these kind of Daily Wire projects, and that, of course, is the aesthetics. It's the look of how the product actually is, because I think this is absolutely crucial. Daily Wire Plus is trying to compete with Disney Plus or with Netflix in this regard, and say whatever you want about Netflix being a propaganda outlet, about their docuseries being utter trash, inaccurate, one-sided, whatever— It looks fantastic, and Daily Wire, to my surprise, really steps it up. Now, initially, I didn't think this was the case. I actually got screeners, which didn't have the full color grade in it. However, upon watching one of the episodes that was fully graded and the episode that appeared on YouTube, that version of it, I realized that they kind of nailed the look that you're trying to go for. And you might not think this matters. You might think the information is what supersedes all. But in reality, in actuality, when you're responding to something that is made by talented people behind the camera at Netflix, you better step it up to the point where you're matching that aesthetic. And in this regard, The Daily Wire does a really good job. I'm getting sick and tired of media deception. Evidence piling up. Why would they omit so many different things? Why are you editing my testimony? Now look, without going too deep into spoilers or anything like that, because I do want you to at least check out the first two episodes that are free to view for you right now, linked in the description, I will say that little compilation from the trailer about them hacking off parts of testimony in its written form, editing video, and all of that... That is just the tip of the iceberg, and every single one of those examples that they show really quickly in the trailer, there's about five more that they're not showing you in the trailer, and again, I'm only halfway through this 10-part series. What Netflix did to these poor people that worked at the police department, that were victimized by Stephen Avery, that were related to him, is horrific and shameful, and I think just shining a light on the fact that Netflix is this much of a propaganda outlet, that they would put something out that's this deceptive on its own makes this worth the price of admission. Not to mention, they are building a case that I think will ultimately conclude that Stephen Avery is guilty 
slowly but surely throughout the course of the series. And considering I'm of the belief that there's about eight pieces of evidence that Netflix just didn't show at all that on its own are damning for Avery, I can't wait for that to be revealed to such a broad audience so people know the truth about this case. Again, it's real easy to convince somebody of something when you don't show the other side, when you don't put up the argument against. This series actually does a good job of showing the arguments as presented in Making a Murderer and then cutting to the heart of those arguments. And one of the things that I will say is definitely true, and they've gone over it a couple of times, is that essentially what the docuseries from Netflix ended up doing was presenting just the theory of defense, which is the very same theory that lost out at trial. And again, even the lawyers for Stephen Avery are edited quite deceptively, and having talked to lawyers who have represented clients like Julius Jones, when these documentary filmmakers do this to the attorneys that are advocating for their client, a lot of times those people aren't even happy for it. So I would love if they could actually get Avery's original lawyers interviewed at some part later in the series. I'm actually looking forward to that because I want to know what they think about them being cut out of context during the course of these videos, especially since in season two of Netflix's series, they were doing a petition to try to declare these two top Wisconsin defense attorneys as incompetent and unable to represent Stephen Avery properly in his original trial. I am not going to make the same mistake that the filmmakers did. Rearranging the testimony the delete a portion of it at the end. So overall, I am someone who is enjoying this series. I watched the first couple of episodes sporadically, but once I got to episode four, I immediately rushed to episode five. And by the way, they're longer by then. And I couldn't wait to get to episode six, which, you know, as of right now, I don't have access to, but it really starts to pick up steam, in my opinion, from four to five, and hopefully that momentum carries it through all the way to the end. That being said, a lot of the setups from episodes one, two, and three, I feel like they're already paying off in four and five, and it is important when Netflix depicts this guy as like this wholesome, loving person who's without a care in the world, that they show you who Stephen Avery really is, and that's what you're going to hear a lot in the early episodes of this show. Stephen Avery, in his own words, admitting to all kinds of crazy stuff that Netflix wanted to cut out to make him look better, because in reality, Stephen Avery, not a great guy, and you would not be sympathetic if you got a look at the real Stephen Avery, and I think that's what this documentary so far is doing best. Also, it is very important that this becomes entertaining, that this becomes engaging, because it's one thing to be right on the factual information, but the thing is, Netflix has proven that that doesn't matter. You have to have something sleekly made, you have to have something that's engaging, you have to have something with the hook and the daily wire plus does a good job with convicting a murderer in all of those regards now i don't know how it's going to end i don't know if the later episodes are going to deliver on the premise i'm still waiting for all of those crucial pieces of evidence that i know are definitely out there but it's nice to see somebody fighting back and i would recommend you guys check this out especially if you're already a daily wire plus subscriber i mean what are you doing it's available for you right now why you even listen to me talking about it when you could check it out for yourself and hey if you guys are interested in me reviewing the later episodes of this show talking about this case in depth after the series is over giving you a breakdown with the evidence that i discovered
covered separate from it let me know all of that down in the comments below if you like the video you show them by leaving a like subscribe for more content follow me on my social medias support me via the support links in the description of this video this has been me talking about convicting a murderer till next time